Hello, and welcome to Two Hearts, a new Who podcast. I'm Callum. And I'm James. And this is the only podcast that thinks London must be changed now, yes? But still, the glamour. And every fortnight here on Two Hearts, we take a look at another episode from the Doctor Who revival. And Callum, after such dizzying heights from last week's episode, we are plunging back to a stolen Earth at our journey's end of Series 4. But as always, just a quick reminder that you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Two Hearts Pod, and that's to the number two. Or if you want to have your thoughts and feelings read on the show, you can email us at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com. That's to the word. To Callum, James, um, welcome back. Um, technically, we put out an episode two weeks ago, but that one was recorded months ago. So this is our official return to Two Hearts. Yeah, look, I'm 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 super happy to be back. Obviously, um, and I do, for the record, for the podcast listening fans out there, um, I do want to say thank you to James for letting me have a little time off. Um, I, I work for a festival and uh, we had our, just had our period, our festival period, basically, and it was intense. Um, so I wasn't able to record for a, almost a month, if not longer, um, which necessitated this big gap in our episode's release. But um happy to be back now uh, and happy to be recording and happy to be talking about this episode in spite of what we're about to discuss, I think. <laughs> um, yes, we are about to discuss some things, I think. We are, but we should talk about what's happening in the Doctor Who world <clears throat> just a little bit before we do, because there's been some interesting little developments out there in Doctor Who land, namely... <laughs> uh, so, for... <laughs> um, Forgive the, the, the brash introduction here. This has been cut out from a earlier recording, but we have just seen the Legend of the Sea Devils trailer for the first time, and it is definitely looking colourful, is our first note. <laughs> we did write down colours as a positive for the trailer, and I stick by it. They are good colours. It, it, I mean, this is something we've said a million times, but the, the Chibnall era has had production values go way up. And this episode from the trailer alone is no exception. It looks, it looks a million bucks. Um, it looks like a proper little movie, to be honest. It does. It does look like it's got some pretty good sense of scale going on. Uh, there's ships flying around. There's fog. There's undersea creatures. Um, you know, it, it looks... It looks fun. I still don't love the dialogue that we get hmm. glimpses of. It's it's the same way I felt about the Flux trailer, where it's like all they're capable of doing for his scripts to promote them is cutting out people being like, what? Whoa, I can't believe that's happening. Um, and it, it just doesn't make for a compelling teaser because there's no actual character in, in those moments. It's just a bunch of those really lovely actors running around pointing at things and shouting. Um that said, yeah, we don't know. really get a sense of who Madame Ching is or any of the supporting characters, which is fine. It's a trailer. It all it's meant to do is amp people up to to watch it, basically. But um, knowing this era, <clears throat> um, <laughs> we don't have the highest of hopes. Um, although 
I, I am pretty dis- well, not disappointed, but uh, the Sea Devils, we see them in action a little bit in this trailer. And- uh, well, Action was, is a strong word. Well, exactly. <laughs> but it was going around on Twitter that possibly the Sea Devils' mouths wouldn't move. And I, I don't know why I'm so hung up on this, but we it's pretty much confirmed in the trailer that they won't. And I find that really disheartening because, like, we just- I just- Moments ago, we talked about production values, but for some reason, the- budget can't stretch to just animating some mouths Ooh, i don't get it yeah it's it's just it's a little bit odd and because they are so aggressively prosthetic looking mm. um which i actually vibe with in, in a very like star warsy way I, I don't think the alien creatures need to look quote unquote like true to life i, I think that it's obviously fake sure. and there's merit and value in leaning into the um the the cheesiest sort of aspects of all of that but you're right like it does make it difficult to connect with them as an emotional force in the story which i'm definitely curious to see how how i feel about that having seen the whole episode um but yeah like mm. like you said what we do get to see in this trailer and there's some hints of dialogue about um madam ching has done something to uh, i don't know unleash the sea devils or mm. anger the sea devils or whatever i'm assuming there's going to be some sort of like you know um vaguely colonist uh yeah, blah, blah, blah. The, the well, usual stuff Doctor Who kind of dabbles in. Yeah, you're right. And that was something I was thinking about because obviously this has been the big problem with like the Sea Devils and the Silurians is like they are they are obviously very alien looking. That is the point of them. But when you're trying to create a um, an allegory, I suppose, for mm. um, uh, underrepresented uh, co- uh, colonized people... Um, you kind of need to emote on them a little bit. And if they are so drastically alien and unemotive, like these rubber masks are probably going to be, that makes it a bit difficult. Add to that, I just remembered that that's what these stories are even about. And I was just like, fuck, <laughs> are they going to do that this time around? Or are they just going to completely ignore it in in um, favour of a seafaring adventure story? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, speaking of ignoring things, there is nothing in the trailer that hints at the Thasman stuff, mm-hmm. um, which there was an interview from, I don't know, Doctor Who magazine or one of those magazines uh, from the one of the writers on this episode, who is actually a queer woman herself, which does count for something. It is nice that they brought somebody with that perspective totally. on to do this. Um, but I think she's referred to it as a, um, a, a very subtle and tender queer story, which... I mean, look, time will tell, uh, because that can either be a complete cop-out of an answer or it could actually be a really genuinely beautiful thing. Um, I am leaning more towards it being a cop-out because I don't have any faith in this era of the show, but I would love to be pleasantly surprised. Um, You know, Yaz's sword fighting, that's like a cool gay thing. Yeah, but it's also like uh, lightsaber fighting at the same time. Yeah, it's odd. There's a lot of memes going around about Palpatine and how blue the whole thing looks. That that actually looks bluer than Exegol in The Rise of Skywalker, and that is very blue. Um, Truly. So, look, we're intrigued. Like we said, mm. th- it does look beautiful, though. Um, there's some really incredible shots of the TARDIS underwater in this thing. That um, Something I never even considered I needed in my life was the TARDIS doing shit underwater. And now that I've seen <laughs> it, I don't know how I never had that before, you know? I, I agree. I agree. I mean, the TARDIS is just looks beautiful in this era. I will defend it to the end of the earth. But yeah. um yeah, I, I also didn't realise how much I needed uh, an underwater TARDIS with the little fish swirling around the light as well. It was just such a nice I image. I know, it was so nice. It was it was a really nice image, exactly. Uh, a lot of blues, a lot of warm tones as well, contrasting really nicely. Look, 
we're intrigued. Um, not from a plot perspective, but just it's going to be fun to just watch new Doctor Who, regardless of the outcome. So, totally, totally, um, totally. So, so we're gonna you know see it very very soon. So you know, final thoughts before we actually see the episode. Um, I just want competently written character work. I, I think. What I'm really, really missing from this era is good script work. Uh, and if it can give me any of that, uh, plus looking like that, I'm I'm sure I'll have a, a decent enough time. Yeah. Yeah. I just want uh, Jodie Whittaker to show up and be like, uh, oh my God, I forgot the quote. <laughs> Shit. Well, on that note, that is, that is our thoughts on the trailer for... Um, uh, Rise of Madam Ching. <laughs> God. Um, yeah. In other mm. news, <laughs> uh, Doctor Who. Well, okay. This isn't news. It's just a rumor that we've been seeing that I've seen circulating the internet, which is that Mr. Hugh Grant might be taking over as the new Doctor. Um now, I want to preface any discussion we have by just saying that he himself has tweeted, I think today, uh, and said that it's completely BS. So, I think this rumor is like just a rumor and a pretty bad one at that. Um, but it did hint at the possibility of Doctor Who, which has been like circulating in discussion for such a long time, uh, ever since Russell T Davies talked about the success of the Marvel movies. Uh, Doctor Who might be going down a Marvel-style track. Um, even the concept makes me shudder <laughs> to my core. Um, yeah, I think I sent you that rumor, and I said I'm going to throw up. <laughs> um, so, uh, the the Marvel the Marvelification of of Doctor Who sounds like um, like the worst possible outcome for me in terms of Russell T Davies returning. Because uh, I remember when the his return was initially announced, you and I talked about on on this show that like he had, he has become such a fascinating and human writer well like more so at least than he, than he was before like he really has grown a lot over his time away from the show and if he was to come back and essentially instigate a season or seasons worth of stolen earth journey's end style um action storytelling i i think that would finally be the point where i just stop watching doctor who oh absolutely if we had to endure some more of these kind of finales uh well <laughs> uh we wouldn't be happy. well indeed no um <laughs> no but yes look um take it with a pinch of salt obviously i don't i don't really think it's true and as you say i do think we 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 would like to think that this new iteration of the show will be different uh entirely different from what has come before it from russell um it feels odd. We've been speculating about this for such a long time because the news has been out there for such a long time, but uh, still have nothing. We still have nothing at all. I just, I'm at that point where I'm like, Let's just show us the goddamn show or stop talking about it. Uh, yeah. Eat, eat the damn orange. Like, <laughs> exactly. um, uh, enough is kind of enough with this stuff. I mean, look, I, I think the Hugh Grant stuff is, is complete bullshit. I, I don't see that happening at all. Um, I saw a really funny tweet today that was like, um, 
the the wildest thing about the Hugh Grant rumor is that everybody seems to forget that the BBC pays in sandwiches and exposure. Um, and it's like, yeah, that's <laughs> they're not going to get somebody like Hugh Grant um, on, on that show. Uh, the the Marvelification stuff, I could see that happening. I, I think that's that's very much within the realm of possibility. Um, I. I just, like you said, I just want to see it. Uh, I, I want to see the end of Jodie's era because I want to know what the fuck they're doing with, with her and um, uh, Yaz is her name. I was about to call her Thasman. I'm like, that's that's not her name at all. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, look, it, it is what it is. We're just going to keep getting on here every two weeks and talking about rumors until they give us some meat. So Basically. And I think it's, it's probably going to come soon. Uh, it has to, especially after, I mean, I think, this new Jody special is going to be in April. No one's confirmed us. This. this is still just like leaks and, and rumors. Um, but I imagine sometime around then we'll start to hear some more um, Russell T. Goss. But until then, we have to talk about what's happening in our world of Doctor Who. We're in a different time era. We're in 2008 at the moment. Um, we're about to talk about... One second ahead of everything else. Ooh, hidden away in a pocket of time. Because that's just one example of the fucking sci-fi gobbledygook that goes into this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stop saying episode. Um, James, shall we talk about... Callum. Soul and Earth Journey's End. The Stolen Earth and Journey's End are episodes 12 and 13 respectively of series 4 of the Doctor Who revival. They were written by showrunner Russell T Davies and directed by old hat. Graham Harper. Uh, now, the plot of this two-parter is pretty non-existent. This is uh, very much event television. Um, it is, it's all vibes all the way down. Um, Callum has written um, six lines of, of <laughs> vague plottery here, so let's just burn through that as fast as we can. The Earth is stolen by the Daleks and hidden in a pocket of time at the Medusa Cascade with 27 other stolen planets that are now being aligned to power a reality-destroying device known as the Reality Bomb, which will quite literally uh, atomize everything in existence. Um, nothing's going to survive this thing. Uh, Davros is there. Torchwood is there. Sarah Jane Adventures <laughs> is there. Uh, Rose returns. Rose's mum returns. Rose's sometimes boyfriend returns. Martha is back. Martha's mum is back. Canine is back. Um, a lot of people are back. Donna is also in the episode. Uh, unfortunately, she ends up fusing with some, um, I guess, reticent uh, doctor energy and needs to be put down. <laughs> Christ. I, I can't. I can't with this. Like, we, we've been hinting at this all series four. Uh, and so it's going to be absolutely no surprise to anybody. But like, I think these episodes are not good episodes of television, like period. But then you add on the Donna stuff at the end. And I'm actively annoyed every time I watch this. Yeah, it's it's like um, 
it's like a, a digestible little comic book story for the most part. No real depth, no real character development, which is just so fucking disappointing considering this is the comeback of Rose Tyler. This is the last episode for Donna. This is like the coming together of all these different characters of across four years. And it should, and in parts does feel like a celebration of all that is good about this era of the show, but it weighs so much, so much, um, in it, the two episodes and, and, and that's just the, the, those episodes. The minute we get to the, I think you bring up Donna, but the minute we get to that beach scene, it goes into a whole new dimension of bad, of out and out bad, into cruelty, into God knows what that like last scene is uh, in Donna's houseness of it, um, guys. Guys, uh, look. Fair warning to anyone who likes these episodes. Don't don't <laughs> tune in. Close. Yeah, just tap, tap out. out. <laughs> We're not going to enjoy this. You're not going to enjoy this. So um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I. Where do you want to start with this one? Um, I guess the. The concept of the episode itself, like maybe let's let's tackle that first because mm. uh, this is you know we talked about the marvelification of Doctor Who at the top of the episode and uh, what we've got in this two parter is the Avengers Endgame of of modern day Doctor Who. Um, it's it's the portal scene. It's everybody that you love showing up to prevent a a reality ending threat. Um, it's nostalgic. It's bombastic. Uh, it's I mean, it's everything. And, and I remember distinctly at the time um, when I was, you know, a, a much younger and a less discerning viewer, like it definitely worked on me. Um, there are moments in these two episodes that are like burned into my brain from when I was younger watching this and being like, fuck yeah, fist pumping. This is everything Doctor Who is ever meant to be. Um, and, you know, time has passed. Uh, things change. Your, your taste in media changes, fucking blah, blah, blah. Of course it does. Um, but it's just interesting to me how much the, the, the core concept of what he's going for with this two-parter is something that, you know, a child really connects with. And then an adult, um, well, look, us yes, as adults, everyone else seems to like it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I, yeah, that's probably a good place to sort of, um, start the conversation that we're going to have, which is that, these are these are these are stories written for ultimately a young audience. Um, they're not meant to well, not not meant to be scrutinised. Obviously, quality and uh, you know audience satisfaction are, are definitely factors to be taken into account. But um, they're also increasingly two different things in the way people consume media. How do you mean by that? Um, I don't know. I, I just think about like the, the general sort of like slate of um, popular media at the moment. And, you know, the idea that I think audiences can be very easily satisfied without your text being particularly critically sound, if that makes sense. Oh, well, yeah, we are definitely in an era of um, audience dumbening. Is, <laughs> is 
it's it's just like instant gratification for the audience. Um, you know, I, I don't think that anybody is particularly keen to make a, a a general audience work too hard to to feel good when they go to the the movies, for example. Um, which is like you know, it's it's not invalid as a form of storytelling. I think the problem is that you know it, it becomes a problem when it's the only thing showing on those screens at the at your local theater. You know what I mean? And so when I look at this two parter. I get it. Um, I understand its placement in the grand scheme of Doctor Who. I mean, like you've said it many times, but like when this episode aired, um, this was Doctor Who at its peak popularity. You know that this was this was huge. Um, so even if I, you know, fundamentally understand its appeal, I, I just can't get myself back into the headset, the headspace to enjoy it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I completely agree, and I think that goes back to what I was going to say, which is just that this is an episode that's best enjoyed. Um, with your eyes a little bit unfocused, uh, with where, where you like just seeing these characters again, uh, is enough. It's not enough for us. Uh, definitely not enough for me. Um, because we get given because it should, what am I trying to say here? We have Torchwood, right? We've got Torchwood. We've got Sarah Jane. We've got Martha. We've got Rose. We've got, all of the beloved characters, the people that we've loved and grown with and seen across the years coming back and not like coming back for a cameo. Like they are characters in the story. They are there for the entirety of the thing. And it, it should feel it. And it they should, I, I would have hoped, uh, you know, position characters and dynamics and throw them together and see how they really mesh together but we don't really get that. We just get them running through their old lines, basically. Um, and not progressing in any great, uh, any, in any meaningful way whatsoever. Um, even Rose, you know, and who a lot of this season has been structured around the return of, um, we just, they just come in and, and sort of go, hi, remember me? Oh, this is really nice. Isn't it? Uh, bye. And that's it. And that's okay if that's yeah. it. But like... <laughs> doesn't make it good. Doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it good. Um, it, I wonder how this episode would translate for anyone who hadn't watched those spin-offs as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I think at the time I hadn't watched Torchwood yet. And I definitely hadn't watched the Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, I think it was just like, oh, well, it's it's Jack. And Jack's back is you know, uh, a tried and true method uh, for Doctor Who right up until what, last year? So, oh God, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, crossover media like this, uh, where it kind of requires you to engage with multiple avenues of a, of a particular story um, through like other TV shows or, or books or whatever it is, um, it is always going to be inherently risky in that regard. I think Doctor Who got away with it at the time and gets away with it still because um, it's like you said, these aren't particularly fleshed out representations of these characters. Like they pop in and you get just enough of their personality to understand the role that they're going to be playing in the story. Like, okay, well, Jack's Han Solo, but hornier. Um, you know, Rose is the the long lost love. Martha, Martha's there. Um, I... It, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Martha! They ne- they never ever get Martha right. Uh, it kills me. But um, 
Yeah, I, I think it, it, like you said, it doesn't take advantage of the, the crossover concept particularly well because you don't get to see those characters interacting in unique ways. I think, you know, Martha's a good example. She's siloed from most of the story um, with her own little subplot going on, which, you know, I, I guess could have been interesting, but it, it's not. Mm. Um, and then um, Rose is also pretty uh, isolated from everybody else for the first half of the story. And then when she does show up for the second half, she doesn't get to have any sort of meaningful interaction with the Doctor one-on-one. They're never alone together. There's never any uh, pathos no. for the build-up that we've had going on there. Right. Um, I know that... Uh, th- and that's the thing about this episode is that you can't pull on just one thread. It's it's just a big mound of... of um, threads. Threads? <laughs> I guess. Look, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Rose, at least, you know, she gets to have those... A couple scenes with... Uh, with I was going to say Jackie then. Sylvia and Wilf. And that's kind of interesting and kind of like... Uh, I was going to say sweet. It's not sweet. It's not the right word. Um, Wilf is like, you know, a beloved character. And, and so seeing him interact with Rose is quite nice, but it's, it, those scenes have definitely written as if, you know, Donna and Rose are interchangeable. The way he talks to, to Rose is exactly the same as he would talk to his daughter, his granddaughter, I should say. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those scenes have the same cadence of the, of the Donna Wolf scenes as well, in a weird way. Um, and what was I going to say? Oh, with Martha, I don't get why they are trying so hard to make Martha into this, like, action hero figure. Because I fucking hate it. I actually don't even know why I hate it. I can't give you a reason why. I just find this whole, like, lone wolf thing that they do with her really, really frustrating when they spent such a good amount of time in her season being like she is in love with the Doctor. Like, why are we not tapping into those emotions more? Like, yeah, and I mean, like, even if you want to leave that aside, because I, I desperately want them to never talk about that relationship again, because, I mean, we have a whole season talking about it. You know how we feel about that. Um, but the character development they did do with Martha throughout her season where, you know, she's studying to be a doctor. She's very, like you said, not lone wolf. She's very group orientated, family orientated, friends orientated. She she fundamentally cares about other people in in such a um, powerful way. And then when we do get her like earlier in this season, she comes back. She gets wrapped up in a military side plot, which leaves her like pretty horrifically scarred about the entire thing. She she has a very visceral reaction of like this is definitively not the life I want to be living. And then so for her to show up in this episode, being like I've got the suicide bomb key. <laughs> It's just, yeah. it, it just reeks of them never knowing what to do with her. And the fact that she doesn't get to be on the adventure, like, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Martha's a whole other problem that we'll probably have to get to it, later in the episode. We it, need some sort of structure here. It does. Yes, uh, we definitely do need a bit of a structure. Um, and I think probably a good place to start, like, the plot of this story is something. Um, and it's all tied up. The, the, with the this reality bomb. So a good place to start maybe for us to talk about this episode is probably with the Daleks and Davros, if you think it's a good idea. Um, Davros is back, everybody. Davros is back. Davros is back. The Daleks are back for their, what is this? One, two, three, four, fifth outing uh, in four seasons. Um, <laughs> and and uh, look, after... This is it, this is just an example of like I think how we find Doctor Who fandom a little bit frustrating, um, because 
I th- we both loved uh, Daleks in Manhattan Evolution of the Daleks. It was interesting and an interesting thing to say about the Doctor. Uh, sorry about the Daleks. It progressed the Daleks um, beyond their like one note kind of rep- uh, characterization, um, and everyone hated that story. This one is just like baseline Dalek activity. No, no, no dimension. No anything. Davros is here, and it's a fan favorite. And I, I. I just fundamentally do not get that because I find the Daleks and I'm a, the champion of them on this podcast. Um, You're definitely the, the apologist of the I'm two the of apolo- us. <laughs> I don't like being described as an apologist, but anyway, um, uh, uh, they are, they are just so, so boring. And, and basically the only interesting things that they have added to the Daleks this time is a shiny repaint of one of them. And, uh, Dalek Khan is there and he's like <laughs> and nobody out crazy is a feeling. <laughs> hey hey and um and, and Dalek and Davros is here and look it's a good performance but not much else to say about Davros's presence other than why not add him on top of this bloated two-part story. Yeah. You do get this weird, uh, there's a, the, the moment where you find out that Davros is essentially being like kept in the basement because the Daleks are kind of ashamed of him at this point, um, is such a, a fleeting moment of interest that you're like, Oh wait, what was that? Like that, that could have been something. And then I just feel like it's, it's not really talked about or, 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 really pulled on ever again. Um, and this, you, you, know, mm. you, you know, you take Davros as, sorry, I was just, before you say what you're about to say, I was just going to say on that point, it, it's only interesting. And I think this is a really fundamental problem to this story in a little bit, in a wider sense. Um, it's only interesting if you know about Davros from the classic series, you have to remember, this is a character that has not had any introduction in, um, introduction or even mention i think other than a fleeting moment in dalek in season one so this character shows up and for new audiences it's like who the fuck is this there is no there is no lead into this character to their significance to their relationship with the doctor it's nothing it's a dry it's a dry (laughs) fucking introduction um at least it's a dry introduction (laughs) And it sucks because like you think back to Dalek and that was a great, that was a great like lead into that, uh, to that narrative, to that history, to that relationship with the doctor. And this is just like, well, we know, well, it's another classic. So let's just chuck it in there. There's no thought or care or, or reason for this character to be here. And I hate it because that Dar- the, mm. the Dalek and Dav- uh, sorry, Davros and the doctor scenes should have more weight to them than they do. And they, the reason they don't is because it's like, who, why would anyone care? Why does anyone care? Why would anyone this in this modern audience care who this character is? And they don't give in any yeah. reason to 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 care. Sorry, I rambled a little Especially bit. Especially because if no, I get it. Like if you think about the um, the uh, escalation of Daleks for the modern audience, you, know, you you begin with Dalek, where you've got the the lone Dalek, like you said, great onboarding, excellent lore, sort of filling in the backstory for new audiences, scary as hell, 
really fun episode. Um, then you get them, they come back in, in Rose's uh, finale and now there's a fuckload of Daleks and there's really smart Daleks. Like there, there's been an escalation there of the threat that they, they provide, right? Um, that goes away. They, they solve that problem. Then when you get them again in series three, it's okay. This is the remnants of the last time we saw them. Um, there's only three left. They are still posing a huge threat, but they have clearly become something else because of their need to survive. Right. You, you, you're in conversation with their ongoing role within the show. This comes along and it's like, there's an army of them. There's a half man, half Dalek leading them. Don't worry about any of that. And it's just, it's so fundamentally unsatisfying as a, a viewer of the Daleks journey through uh, this new Who kind of um, uh, run so far, mm. because it does, again, it does everything I hate about Dalek stories. It just reduces them to, to killing machines again. No no character, no personality. And the Davros stuff, like you said, we've never seen this Doctor and Davros interact before, so that there's no sort of um, weight behind any of that, which does lead me to, I think, what you and I agree is probably the best moment of this entire two-parter is when Sarah Jane and Davros reconnect and there is actual history between that actress and that character of Davros and so you do get a very palpable sense of fear danger and recognition between the two of them it's one of the few moments that actually works as both nostalgia and new scene um it does but again I would say we we are reading into that because we know the history, and Sarah Jane and, oh, and yeah. Davros have not interacted in this new era of the show ever. It, True. It, I don't. I'm not trying to take away from the power of that moment, which I do find really lovely. Um, and and you know, mostly because of Elizabeth Slayton, because you can just she's so good uh, in this. <laughs> you can just see it on her face. You can just see. Like 1970, what was it, 1975 or whatever, and 2008 mm. folding together and meeting in that moment. Yeah, um, which is which is beautiful, um, but it is fleeting. <laughs> it's fleeting. Yeah, yeah, no, very, very much so, very much so. Um, and then the other, I guess, the other pillar of the Dalek stuff here is um, uh, Khan, Mister um, Teehee. <laughs> I'm I'm insane now. <laughs> Um, which on paper I like, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about it. I'm not opposed. Oh, I'll say, I mean, I've always found the cult of Skyro. You're not at opposed. I'm not opposed. Um, (laughs) I've always found, uh, the Dalek Khan, uh, what, what am I trying to say here? Um, the cult of Skyro are definitely interesting, um, to me, but... It's, it's, I was interested in what they represented as a future, like forward facing era of Dalek kind of, um, generations of Daleks. Um, and so Mm -hmm. to see Khan reduced to this gibbering, like fate, uh, soothsayer role, um, basically in service of the fatalism that threads through this whole story, um, is a bit like, oh, well, that's, that's a shame that this is where the cult of Scaro stuff ends. Cause. Uh, yes. Uh, agreed. It, it gets, um, uh, sacrificed the altar of the, the Davros and return to a cleaner Dalek concept. Um, which yeah, it sucks. It does suck. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's a bit of fun, I suppose. 
it's a bit of fun, you know, to have a, a Dalek, uh, like, mutant just kind of gibbering in the corner and being like, <laughs> one of you is going to die. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yes, in theory, it's fun. <laughs> um, I, I think in, in practice, the main problem is that, um, do you remember at the beginning of Rose's finale when she was like, this is the day I died. And then it's like, okay, but that's obviously not going to happen here. Um, it's that problem stretched out across two full episodes now because you've got someone constantly in the corner being like, one of them's going to die. And then when it finally happens, it's just like, oh, it's a spiritual death. Like, okay. Okay. Look, I felt the same way. You're absolutely right. Like the fact that we have to go through this whole iteration, this whole thing again of like, ooh, one of you's going to die, but not really, is just yeah. So yeah. Oh, it's like you're going to die when you see these discounts. <laughs> like it's it's like fuck off. Enough. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. The, the fall of Khan. It, it sucks. It, it it really does suck. You should go, like, listeners, maybe go back and listen to us talk about the um, uh, Daleks in Manhattan stuff because that's some peak Dalek stuff there and um, we miss it quite a bit. We do. We actually really do. Um, this is not Daleks in Manhattan. This is, this is, this is just, oh, this'll do when it comes to the villainry. <laughs> And then the Earth was invaded by, oh, I don't know, let's say the Daleks. Because, <laughs> like, this could just as easily be the Cybermen uh, yep. running a crucible. There's nothing discernibly Dalek about and, this um, story. And that extends to their to their threat and the weapon of this story as well, the reality bomb, which I, I just, I fundamentally hate. Because even if you can try and justify it as, oh, well, the Daleks are going to wipe out absolutely everything that isn't like them in one go... You can okay. I can I can see it if you are going down that route, but like that was never that's never been the Daleks kind of. I, I don't know at what point they went from needing to kill absolutely everything. Uh, sorry, where they went from like needing to be masters of the universe to, to destroying absolutely everything in existence. I never felt like that was their yeah intention. If anything, their intention has always been to use the Nazi analogy that we, that they are built upon um, has been to remold the world in their image. Right. Um, yeah. And so that's why you get like when Dalek mutants, for instance, and from or humans that have been converted into Daleks, uh, you know, it's about changing and shaping and, and, and experimenting on living things to make them into Daleks. Like that's the horror of them. Um, Which, Actually, now that you say it, right, if if you'd wanted to genuinely tell a story that follows on from Daleks in Manhattan, which was playing with a lot of those ideas, you throw Khan into the time vortex, he loses his mind a little bit, comes back and designs a reality bomb, quote unquote, that essentially reorganizes atoms to try to craft things into the image of a Dalek. Obviously, it'll go horribly wrong. Things will be very messed up, body horror, blah, blah, blah. That'll all be very fun. But at least then you're actually building on the ideas that you were playing with, with the Daleks, throughout this story and you know then the Dalek army that he raises this time could be made in in his image like there's so much you could do mm. with the concept of something that tears apart reality at a, at a fabric level um but instead we just get like you know the the shredder hand uh clinking on Davros's controls as he's like reality bomb that yeah that's it isn't it it's it's just a big old 
comic book, I'm going to destroy the world uh, plot device. And it's boring as shit. I, 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 it only resulted in one good moment, which was in turn left when Wilf said the stars were going out. That's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only yeah. good thing about this Agreed. whole thing. And it's one of many... Oh, I hate it. It's one of many... Um, the device like things in this story because you have this there's the Osterhagen key there's the subwave network there's the Medusa Cascade the Tandoka scale the Warp Star the fucking all this bullshit and it's Shadow Proclamation Shadow Proclamation and it's like this isn't world building this is just putting a couple of words together and saying oh it's sci-fi <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. It's it's a lot of um, it, it's just like a wiki. It, it's, it's a, a wiki, wiki of, of concepts that Russell's been kind of like throwing around in his mind. Um, I, it, it's difficult to care about any of it mm. because it is just so slapdash. Is the way that it feels like every time something needs to happen in this story, there's a new device that's going to make it happen. Yep. Um, and it's, it's just exhausting. Yeah. Every, every story progression, every story beat in this is punctuated with a new device that is thrown into the mix and it's boring. It's really fucking boring. Um, it is speaking of boring. <laughs> what's going to follow that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Torchwood. <laughs> As I said it, I was like, I mean, there's actually so many things I could slot into that spot. Um, yeah, let's start with Torchwood. Um, Torchwood is here. Uh, Jack is back. Um, right. uh, <laughs> I mean, given what I, we know now, it's it's like, oh, great, fucking Jack's back. Okay. Oh yeah, I mean, like the the John Barrowman and stuff is is obviously never going to be um, quite right ever again, and like. Fuck that guy. Um, the beyond that, the Torchwood doesn't play any sort of just like uh, um, tangible role in in this story. Um, they are they are simply there to to be there. Um, what, what are their names? Yanton and um, Yanto and Gwen. Gwen. Uh, the two of them get siloed from the rest of the story. Like, they literally get put in, like, a little time bubble where there's one Dalek about to kill them. Um, and that just no, goes nowhere. Um, it is what it is. They they help with the sub na- subwave network at some point, And then Jack's like, well, I got to go and be in the plot now. So I'll see you later, kids. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much the extent of the Torchwood stuff, right? That's, that's pretty much it. The only other time that they come up is... I hate it. I'm going to keep saying this, but I do hate it. There's a bit in the, like the big dramatic climax of the story where the doctor's piloting the TARDIS. I, I, so I do apologize for like jumping ahead uh, a little bit. Um, and the doctor's brought Torchwood up on the screen in his TARDIS and he, he stops in the middle of the action and everything. And he stops and he's like, Oh, Gwen, um, do you come from a long line of Welsh <laughs> families? And she's like, uh, yeah, I think we're back, we're back with the 1800s. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, it makes sense because I think I met your blah, blah in, in like season one. It's just pointless fan wank. Nobody asked for that. Yeah. Nobody. No. I will say, speaking of Gwen, though, um, I'm, I'm going to try to litter at least one positive into every point that we hit on today. Um <laughs> There's that shot of Gwen with the assault rifle where she's just screaming and firing at the Dalek. I think that was actually quite good. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll, 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 I'll give you that one. I mean, I love um, Eve Miles as an actress a lot, and her character in Torchwood is she's so good. is is yeah. great. Um, a really fantastic character and a really um, great character arc for her in that show. Um, she is, is is subject to the same problems as all the characters that appear in this, which is that they're, they're shadows of their actual selves. Yeah. Yeah, there's that one point where she's on the phone with her husband and she's like, or her fiance, or whatever. She's like, oh, love you, you big idiot. And it's like, oh, there's your catchphrase. <laughs> uh, Reese got a mention. Great. Tick that box. Off we go. Yeah, it's done. Uh, speaking of boxes getting ticked, um, Sarah Jane Adventures is a show I've never watched myself, but it does seem very kid friendly. Oh, right? it's, it's for very small children. Yeah. Okay, right. Um, and. Because she has this massive talking computer that looks like it could belong to the Teletubbies. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Smith. Um, I have watched the Sarah Jane Adventures and I, I, I enjoy it a lot more than this whole two-parter. Um, it is kids entertainment, but, it, it, it you know, Elizabeth Sladen is such good value. Like, it, it's, it's good fun. Yeah. It's almost like classic Doctor Who in a weird way. Um, but yes, in that show, she gets a son... Uh, he's an alien son, I think, or something. I can't remember. Um, and she, this, she basically leads a gang of kids around solving mysteries and aliens uh, invasions, which is fun. She does have a talk- yeah. big talking computer in her attic. Um, it's it's weird, isn't it? I was thinking about this uh, when in relation to school reunion. And how if you hadn't watched the Sarah Jane mm. adventures, this would be the second time you've seen Sarah Jane. You'd be like... When did she get a kid? <laughs> when did... Uh, yes. <laughs> um, and I guess, you know, it's it's not the biggest sin of the episode, maybe, um, to not kind of introduce... it. Like, it doesn't really give you any kind of... It assumes a lot of knowledge about... Of the audience, of the spin-offs, right? Um, yeah. But it, I, I do find it hard to reconcile the... the really great characterization of Sarah in school reunion to this episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think her characterization is still on point here. Um, her moments where she's like afraid for her son's life are really uh, moving and affecting. Um, she's fun when she's up on the ship in so far as she gets anything to do or as much to do as the others, at least. Um I don't know, like, it, Elizabeth Sladen is just, like, one of the few bright spots for me of, of this um, finale. So, uh, shout out for that. Um, Martha, I guess? Um, well, yeah, let, we, touch, we touched on Martha a bit briefly, but yes, Martha does come back. Um, can I tell you my favourite Martha moment? Please do. It's right at the very top of the episode. Uh, the Daleks invade Manhattan... <laughs> The building she's in kind of shakes and there's an earthquake. Oh, it's after the planet gets transferred to the Medusa Cascade. God, if you had not watched these episodes and you were listening to this for the first time, this would be so fucking confusing. <laughs> it's indecipherable. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? Um, there's the earthquake bit. She gets up off the floor and she's like, oh, is everything okay? Yolandra, are you all right? <laughs> and it's like, who's Yolandra? <laughs> Why are you talking to this random person? I don't know why it bothers me so much, but it fucking does. I I think it's it's quite amusing. Um, 
Uh, Freema Adjaman, I... Look, not to cast any sort of aspersions or assumptions or anything like that, I don't think this is a very good performance from her in this episode. And frankly, if I was her and I'd seen this script, I wouldn't show up for work either. Um, <laughs> I... This is um, just, again, another example of um, Russell doesn't really ever seem to know what to do with um, with Martha as a character. Mm. Um, it really does come across quite aggressively in this episode because he's got Rose back. Like, well, why would we need the other quote unquote love interest? Yeah. Um, and so she is relegated to a lot of weird side stuff. Um, she gets a moment where she's reunited with her mum, which I, I, I quite appreciated, but Again, because this story is going so far out of its way to give everybody else uh, at least a, a crumb of, um, I don't know, like relevance or whatever to the plot. Like the the fact that the Martha stuff feels so tacked on mm. and so out of character. Um, uh, it, I don't know. It just it always makes me sad. Um, Martha deserves better than this. Freeman Adjaman deserves better than yeah. this. Um, yeah. And by way of transition to our next uh beat to talk about um one of my the the bits that i really don't like about the way about martha in this episode is when she's threatening davros with the the osterhagen key and (laughs) sorry i can't hear that name (laughs) and um and rose you know says oh she's good and who's that and and she's like i don't know martha says something like um what's your name? And and she's like, Rose. And Martha's just like, oh, he found you. And it's just, it's an awful line. Yeah. She delivers it really badly. It had, mostly because there's <laughs> nothing behind it, really. Um, and it, I think- I mean, it's a problem that's- No, sorry. I was just going to say, like, it's, it's something that keeps recurring in these two stories, is just characters commenting on the significance of Rose, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like, it's it's a script that feels written... Uh, it, I don't know. Like, it, these characters know they're in a TV show is, is kind of the way this is written. Like, everyone is talking in a very inorganic, um, broad way. And it just... I don't know. Like, like the, at the top of the episode, you, uh, of the first episode, you get that moment where Donna's like, I know that everything's gone to shit, but Rose is coming oh. back. That's good. And it's like, oh, God. Come on, man. Like, I don't know. It's those moments where the fan's Rose. voice inserts itself into the script that I, I yes, roll exactly. my eyes violently. Because you just know that they don't talk like that. You just know that real people don't... Or people in this world, even, don't talk about like that. Like, this is... Yes. Ugh, it's something else imprinting itself. And so, we should probably talk about... Yeah. Rose. Well, Rose is... Rose is an interesting one because, like you said, this whole season has been building up to her return and it's an, it's an effective bit of tension building. Like, every time you got little hints that she was returning, even I got excited. Um, like, it is... It's Rose mm. and she's coming mm. back. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> um, but um, what we end up getting here is... I don't know. What, what is it? Well, it's it's a... It's a poor cousin to Rose's um, appearance in Turn Left for a start. Um, yes, truly. Where she was able to be a main character, a character in her own right. Um, she was able to take on a doctor role uh, and and it really gave a, lo- a lot of meat to sort of play with. 
Whereas in this episode, it's almost like a completely different character. She comes in and she's like, oh, do you like my gun? Oh, it's the end of the world. Oh, I love me doctor. Have one on me, mate. Exactly. <laughs> Which like that stuff I think is like, it, it's Rose. Mm. Like I, I don't, I don't not like that. It's just that, um, that that's about it. Like, I, I think once she gets reunited with the gang, um, everything just starts collapsing in on itself with what they've been trying to set up between her and the doctor. Um, partly because like I said before, like they don't get any moments together. There's no real payoff. Like there's that, like it's not the iconic moment of the two of them running down the street, you know, sort of running towards each other. That shot of the Dalek coming around from behind the bus is like imprinted into my brain for when I was a kid as well. Um, because it's like, Oh no. And it's an effective little bit of like moment of television. Mm. Um, but they're immediately then like Jack's there, Donna's there, everyone's yelling and talking. There's there's just no time to appreciate what should be like a really momentous reunion between these two characters. That's probably the the only really good part of this story, if I'm honest, is mm. is um is that run. Because it is it's almost iconic. Um and it, it, is. it no, it is iconic. It, it yeah. made me tear up watching it again, you know, that and that speaks to Agreed. the power of their performances and their relationship from the past, not this story in particular. Um, and I'm just thinking about it and, but it is such a, it's such a brief fleeting moment and I'm not just talking um, in relation to the grand scheme of things, but like it's, it's, it is just like a really quick little scene and it it's such a I'm, I'm, I hesitate to say wasted opportunity like obviously it benefits from having kept them apart for the majority of the episode um, but it still is the only real moment of beauty beauty maybe uh, or significance because after that you know you go into the the cliffhanger and then when you come out of the cliffhanger Rose is just like oh you're still the same and and they hug and it's like, okay, that's what we've been building up to. Th- this is it. Yeah. And yeah. and it, it, it really fucking shows that they had no plan whatsoever beyond just, let's just bring her back. Um, and it really fucking shows when we get to that beach scene. Yeah. So, um, look, you know, story primer, uh, the doctor's hand that got cut off in the Christmas invasion gets imbued with his spare, um, regeneration energy after he gets shot by a Dalek and it grows a whole other doctor, um, who is also David Tennant, but this time in a blue suit. (laughs) Um, and you know the 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 idea here. Obviously, we're going to get into the, the Donna stuff in a, in a minute, so we know that there's stuff going on there as well. But like the idea is that uh, because of the way that this hand is regenerated into the Doctor, he is part human, part Doctor. So all the smarts, the brains, the memories, the feelings of our Doctor, but with one heart and in a, in a body that's going to age and and whatnot. Um, there is there, there's some stuff with him I do want to touch on separately, but. Um, Specifically as it relates to Rose, we get back to Bad Wolf Bay at the end and the Doctor drops Rose off with this new Doctor and says, hey, I know you've always wanted to be with me, but you can have this one instead if you want. And she's like, yes. It's... I'm just going back through my notes because I'm just trying to 
just trying to remember how I felt about this reading. I don't, uh, yeah, I get it. I just find it really, um, I mean, it's emotionally unsatisfying in the way that the rest of the episode is emotionally unsatisfying. That that doesn't, you know, bother me too much, I guess. Um, it's just such a, a weird way to end Rose's story it, in the show. So I have a couple of questions. Mm. Why does Rose need to stay in the parallel world? Why can't she and why can't they get Pete and go back to their old world with their old friends and their old lives? Why do they have to return Mm -hmm. to this universe and be sealed off forever? That's one. Two, why is it that a human doctor is and a clone of the real doctor is somehow better to Rose uh, than the real doctor. Um, and the answers to these questions are not satisfying. And the reasons, the answers are because they can't have Rose come back because she isn't a character that is allowed to exist in this universe anymore. So for the barest fucking story reasons, she's sealed away, but to add insult to injury, she's sealed away with a, basically, (laughs) I'm just going to put it out there basically just a a fuck toy for her to just have yeah for the rest of her life and i really hate how it treats this this choice then treats uh sorry um positions the doctor as this like basically meat thing that rose can in, in can um project onto as opposed to a character in their own yeah. right it feels so fucking weird not just weird but creepy and um and emotionally stunted and and i'm really yeah. struggling with yeah. how to describe it because it because it's it's actually it's sick it's kind of sick <laughs> um yeah i i agree it just doesn't it just doesn't feel right um and you know the the idea of like rose like rose's love for the doctor i don't think was very well written in her seasons we have two we have a lot of episodes talking about that problem um but i don't inherently dislike the idea of you know this like brilliant impassioned woman ripping holes in reality to get back to the man that she loves i i on paper that actually sounds fantastic to me um because i i think that you know, these characters and, and Rose in particular, it, it's not wrong to want to quote unquote reward the character with um, her, her happy ending. Mm. Right. Um, the problem though, is that like, it's, it's just not the doctor and, and the fact that they just make a copy of him so that they don't have to have any conversations around the end of Rose's story. Um, it, it does feel really, really cheap, especially as the way that like the, uh, this new doctor relates to the thematic work of the episode and to the Donna stuff as well. Like it's this just rock that sinks the entire third Mm. act. Um, because it does feel very, um, uh, like unthought out, you know? It's totally rushed. It's totally, it's, it's, it's how do we end this and put a stop to any more stories? Uh, Do this, basically. Yeah. And what, and also what's even worse is that it then robs their original ending of all of its 
drama and 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 poetry because now we have this mm-hmm. dis like disfigured cousin of that scene uh <laughs> and it, it's it's yeah there's only one good bit i like about that scene can i tell you what i like Mm-hmm. It's when they land and the clone doctor says to... No, Jackie says to the clone doctor, oh, I was pregnant, do you remember? And he, and she's like... And he's like, oh, congratulations, you know, what'd you call the baby? And she goes, doctor. <laughs> he's like, really? <laughs> and he looks really touched and then she's like, no, you plum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jackie's always delightful. Um, like when she gets out of the TARDIS as well, she's like, why the fuck are we back on this beach? <laughs> like, so true, Jackie. So fucking true. Why are we back on that it's beach? It's the best. Um, yeah. it, it, she is great. Um, on the on the topic of the uh, the, the Doctor Two, the new Doctor, I don't know whatever we're calling him. Um, what I do really struggle with in that scene is Rose stuff aside, uh, the way the Doctor positions the problem here, right, is that we saved the universe, but at a cost, and the cost is him. He committed genocide. He's too dangerous to be left running around the universe. And so he has to stay in this pocket dimension with you, Rose, and that serves both you and it gets him locked up, basically. Never mind the fact that a pocket, uh, like another dimension is a whole other universe that he'd be running around in anyway, but fucking whatever. The, the line he committed genocide, like he killed all the Daleks because that happens over the course of the story as well. Um, it is one of those things where it's like, you can't just start throwing those ideas around in the last five mm. minutes. Like that, that is such a, a, a massive thematic and, and um, you know, intellectual sort of idea to, to be cramming in at the end there that does no examination of the way the doctor has committed many, many war crimes in, in his time. Um, there, there's a bit of dialogue about the doctor saying, well, he's me before you fixed me Rose. So you can now fix yeah. him as well. Uh, and it's just that's the bit it's just foul that's the bit that i i really hate is is yeah. is that implication that like rose's role is to heal him no it's yes. not and and rose you know and this is the other thing which makes no sense like rose spent has history with the her doctor she has a life that she's built with him and if you are going to start saying that this other person has the doctor's memories, but none of that emotional progression. Character development. Yeah, exactly. What, what, where are they? What are they? Yeah. What does that mean then? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. It, it is like, you can't just throw that kind of concept out at the very end of this story. And um, it's, it's just bad. I don't want to spend any more time talking about it because I feel like we'll just go in circles, but it is, it's just bad. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, fortunately, this this second Doctor stuff leads us right to, I mean, the 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 end of this the <laughs> the thing we've been building up all season. <laughs> before we before um, we do, let's just say, I don't know how you feel about this, but there is one one scene that is at least like in the spirit of this episode, which is all of the characters in the TARDIS around the console, flying the Doctor home, with the music in the background. It's a very triumphant, very purposeful uh, scene um, for the concept of bringing all these characters together. And it does feel... It does feel good and triumphant. And 
and and that's the only good thing I have to say, <laughs> really, <laughs> um, because I, I do want to no, just say that like there there are that that is good, that is good. This is not good. No, um. So the reason that the second Doctor exists as a part time lord, part human, is because when the hand was regenerating. It got touched by Donna, and so this causes the uh, what is it a, a meta crisis? Is that what yeah, they call it? Yeah, another one of those terms. Uh, yeah, another term um, where uh, Donna gets the Doctor's brain, um, which you know initially I was like, oh yeah, okay, so now she's just hyper intelligent. That's really cool, but it's not that. It's she gets. I guess his memories as well, like his entire I don't think she, being. I don't think she gets his memories. It's like you say, she gets his mind. So she just is, if the story term, she's super intelligent. No, but I mean, like she's instantly talking about like capacitors and like wibbly wobbly timey wimey tech stuff. Yeah. Which even like, okay. If I became hyper, hyper smart right now, I would have no idea how to fix a TARDIS. Do you know what I mean? Well, no, but, Sure, but she it's but she's also not like suddenly become the doctor in the sense that she has all this crushing guilt about killing all the time lords. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like the the mechanics of how this actually works is very confusing to me. Mm. Um because I, I don't know what she has of him in inside of her. And then you add on top of that uh Rose gets left with the doctor human. Um which is established as all the memories, all the smarts, all the great time lordy, timey wimey stuff is going on inside of his head. But he's in a frail human body. He will age and he will die, and that's gonna like be there for the rest of your life, Rose. Like you have a life partner now, right? They get back in the TARDIS, and Donna starts malfunctioning. Basically, she starts like uh, just over overheating her brain, and we then find out that. In the reverse situation, the the Donna Doctor hybrid, it just can't exist. It's it's going to kill her, unfortunately. There, there's no way that she can possibly stay as the person that she has become across the series, um, and she has to be, uh, you know, effectively um, uh, put down. Yeah, it's so interesting you say that. I didn't even think about how the reverse. It should basically be true that the Doctor, the human Doctor clone by virtue of being mm. human, should also be going through the same process. Exactly. They're, they are the same meta crisis going on. So why is he able to be sustained and Donna can't? It, again, it's just that it, the, the, the episode, the, these two, this two part, like the script is, it's just so lazy and clunky. Like there, there's so many, and look, plot holes, blah, whatever. Like I, I know that there's a, a whole culture around, we shouldn't complain about plot holes because it makes us look like neckbeards and whatever. But like, Eventually, you do have to grapple with the fact that, you know, if you're going to make massive character decisions based on uh, made-up logic that you've implemented in your episode, then that logic needs to be consistent. Otherwise, those major character decisions feel very cheap. Mm. And ultimately, that's what happens with Donna, because you don't understand why this thing is happening to Donna. But then suddenly, she's crying and begging the Doctor not to put her back into her oh. old life where she can't remember anything. Yeah. And it's so upsetting and cruel for no reason. The way that she says, she's basically screaming no, 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 as he's doing it yeah. to her. And it's all couched in like, 
this is for your benefit, this is so you can live. Mm-hmm. But even more so, it's also couched as the doctor's tragedy. It's the doctor's tragedy yes. that he has to do this to his friend, that he has lost his friend. Not that... And it's there a little bit, but not so much that it's Donna's personal tragedy that she loses all that she was. It- yeah. It's like... Yeah, and look, a lot of really smart people have, have written about this over the years. I, I definitely suggest that um, folks listening, if you want to go and find these things, just search Doctor Who Donna memory loss, and you you will find some things. Um, but like, it is a violation of her of her consent mm-hmm. as as a, a person existing within that that universe. Um, it it just it completely destroys her entire character arc, which is like not inherently a problem. I, I don't dislike a tragedy just because it's tragic. Like I, I think. You know, especially with the way that they they treated Donna's character, where it's like this, you know, um, you know, sort of close to middle aged woman, a bit of arrested development going on, really needs to discover her self worth. If you go through that entire journey with her and you have her discover that self worth and and become who she's meant to be, yeah. and then at the end you say, oh, the great tragedy is that she like she Icaruses, you know, she flies too close to the sun, and then she will have to be sort of reverted back to the person that she was before all this happened, like. I don't love that as a storyline for Donna, but as a broad concept of a narrative, I I think that's actually totally valid. The problem comes in with what Callum said before, where it's the way this episode and this script frames what happens here, because it is not Donna's tragedy, Mm. it's the Doctor's tragedy, and then it becomes Wilf's tragedy, and that extends into the very end of his entire run with this show. this horrible thing happens to this woman and it is only used to further the men's development. Um, and mm. it's just awful. Like it's, it's genuinely, I think probably the worst decision in Dr. Who. I, yeah. I didn't even think about it in gender terms, but that's, that is true. And that is absolutely there. And you're right. It, it, it extends to that final scene where I think in any normal scenario where this happens to somebody in in our in real life <laughs> they wouldn't be saying oh the same thing happened to <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't be saying they would like if if for instance my your parents james uh the door they open the door and you're lying on the ground and your every memory of the last 10 years or something has been wiped from your brain they're not going to say to the person who brought you to them thank you and oh this must be terrible for you they're going to be like, what the fuck? What the fuck have you done? You've, yep. you've, you've, you've destroyed our, our beautiful son. Get out of here. And it, it irks yep. me that they don't allow this of Wilf. And that Wilf's actual characterization is so inconsistent because at some point in this episode, he's talking about bloody aliens and all oh, those aliens. They're doing things to the planet. But, yeah, I thought that was weird too. Yeah. yeah. But with the doctor, because he's human or looks human, I guess, it's okay and he's able... and. I, <laughs> I'm derailing a little bit, um, but it is it it it's it's just it smacks of Doctor worship kind of stuff. Yes, um, it is. It's exactly that. It's really fucking annoying. Um, I didn't even think about yeah, and I I think we've spoken about this with Rose's ending, and I do love a bit of tragedy, and that's obviously what Russell T does. But to your point, what you're saying is absolutely correct because it's not like this is a tragic ending that is also the culmination of Donna's arc, right? It's just something that mm. happens to her cruelly and for no reason. And and it's not like, you know, it's not like she touches, she becomes ultra smart and that's 
that was where it's always been heading. It's like, no, her power has always been in the fact that she's not smart, but she's compassionate and she feels things that the doctor never could because they're, you know, the doctor. Um, And if this ending was somehow able to uh, tap into that kind of empathy that she has as a conclusion and also in some Mm -hmm. way write her out of the show, like that would make sense. It, and that's what they do with, you know, to go back to our old standard, that's what they do with Clara, you know. It's a tragic <laughs> ending. She dies. But she dies on the terms that the show is, is set out to explore with her character. Not for some random, yes. completely uh, b- weird thing. Yeah. Like, both Clara's death and... Um uh, subsequent sort of uh, adventures beyond her, her death um, are very much exactly how her story should play out. Like that, they, they they don't miss a beat in terms of what they set up from the beginning of Clara to the end of Clara. In that regard, mm. like she is on a journey to become the Doctor, she becomes the Doctor, suffers the consequences for it, but then because she's Clara, because she is. It, because she was able to sort of raise herself up to that level and because of everything we'd been through with her, you get the continued adventures of, of Clara Who and it's it's beautiful and, mm. and, and wonderful. And in that regard, the tragedy is still happening to the Doctor. The, the text doesn't shy away from the fact that his heart is also broken by the situation when he has to forget who she is. Um, mm. it, it It is very much in conversation with with what happens with, with Donna here, which is the opposite. And, and again, we talked about this with... Um, Turn left, where turn left is the culmination of of Donna's arc. Um, it, is. it is a a celebration of the the common man of what a basic person can do that isn't special, isn't predestined, isn't from a a, a Skywalker or Palpatine bloodline, as as they as you could imagine. Um, it's just about a person who has an innate desire to do right and to be better, mm. achieving those goals. This then comes along and with the the Khan stuff and the time stuff, it it basically says, well, actually, Donna's always been destined to become the Dr. Donna. She's always been destined to die uh, because of that. And it's just, it's cheap. It's cheap within the context of the episode and it's horrific within the context of the the, the wider series. Um, It's just a complete misfire. Absolutely. Yeah, look. Is what it is. Um, that's I mean that that's Donna's story. We do get to see Donna again in the um, actual finale for for Tenants Run on the show, but that is um, an exacerbation of these problems, if anything. Mm. Um, that that's that's a whole other thing we'll, we'll get to when we get to it. Um, broadly speaking, I, I and look, I, I know I know that we, we've kicked this episode a lot tonight, um, so I don't mean to to keep going back in for it, but if we're, if we're firing this off just so we can get it done um, I don't think this is very well directed I, I think it's it's not a very nice looking episode, I think there's no tension in the action, um, the script is like we said before, it's like a, a, a fan script um, Murray Gold is is continuing to trip all over those um, cymbals and drums um, he's, he seems very excited um, I, I'm not It's just a lot of um bluster signifying nothing isn't it it's just it's yeah oh the one word i keep coming back to in my mind is bloated it's a bloated ugly fucking episode a couple of episodes and it shouldn't be you know it should be so much better it should be the culmination of donna's arc she gets done so fucking badly it should if it's going to introduce rose it should have been a beautiful little coda to her story it wasn't 
Um, if anything, the Rose scene we get in David Tennant's finale is miles above how they treat her in this story. Um, yes. Yeah. Can I just say on that note, I'm so incredibly thankful that, um, they bring Billy Piper back for the, um, the, the idea or whatever she plays in that, in that Moffat, um, special. Oh, the, the, um, moment. The moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am really excited to talk about that performance because I think that is a fantastic way for the show to say goodbye to Billy Piper. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm excited to get to that. Mm. Yeah. It, it's a different way for sure. Um, and that's, well, it's better than this. <laughs> well, yes, yes, anything was better than this. Um, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And there's, I, I mean, there's stuff I can say about, you know, we didn't touch on the Subwave Network, on on, on Harriet Jones. Um, we didn't touch on the, like, the reality bomb and the scene with Jackie. Um uh, there's that whole stuff as well about um, Davros and the Daleks have this like grand moment with the Doctor where they're like, you're no better than we are, Doctor. You're also, you also kill things, you know, and that makes us the same. And it's like, bro, you're building a bomb to wipe mm. out existence itself. Do you, lo- you don't get to say you're the same as the person trying to stop you. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then about? there's the bit at the end where Davros is like. Oh, you've to- you st- my plans. I name you, Doctor, <laughs> Destroyer of Worlds. And it's like, um, no, sweetie, that's you. <laughs> like, what is happening here? And, and again, that's, that's that fanny script thing. It's like, it's a bunch of lines that, you know, sound deep, but then you put any thought into it and you're like, this means nothing. It, it truly does mean nothing. It, it, this, this is... This is a waste of a couple of episodes, and I'm glad that they're out of the way. Yes. We are so close to Clara. Okay, I'm putting it back in the box. <laughs> it's fine. No, I did think- We will I, get there. We've got I did to- think that, though. Like, we're uh, once we're done with the David Tennant specials, not done with, but once we've done the David Tennant specials, uh, we're one companion away from Clara, basically. I can, I can feel it in the air tonight. Although I will say, very excited for Amy as well. Mm. Amy, there's a lot of really interesting and fun stuff to talk about there. Um, I think that... Oh, look, because I want to end this on a positive note, I'm just going to bring up something completely different. Um, I think Amy deserves as much of a re-examination as Clara does. I don't think it's as successful, but I do think that the the memory that people have of Amy's time on the show, because this was certainly the case with me, is not the reality of what her time actually was. Um, and I'm really excited for us to talk about that. Yeah, I'm happy. We, I'm happy if we have a Amy redemption. Um, yeah, things to look forward Amy to. Amy redemption, Clara sons. Maybe by the time we get to uh, Chibnall's era, we'll, we won't feel differently. Um, great. What are you giving this episode? Oh, shit. I forgot we did that. <laughs> shit. Sorry. Um, it, folks, it has been a, a hot minute. Um, I think Stolen Earth gets a, a C minus. Uh, and I think that um, Journey's End is a a. a a D minus um, and taken as a whole. I, I think it's just, it's a D. Uh, this is, this is, a, this is not good. Um, yes. I want to copy and paste your, your scores. Uh, Cause they're exactly the same as mine. How do you feel about the season as a whole? It's difficult. Uh, it, <laughs> in a lot of ways, it does remind me of how I now feel about the Star Wars sequels where, because the last Jedi and force awakens were in such 
unique harmony with each other and they were doing so many interesting things and then that last movie comes along and just tanks everything you loved about it it's almost how i feel about series four like Mm. it it's not as bad. I think series four has so much good going on in it. And, and Donna is so fantastic and there's a lot of great stuff in here. And this finale doesn't entirely ruin that. Um, but I do need to actively not think about it to hold this series in any sort of high regard, if that makes sense. Mm, Absolutely. It's, it's, I think people often describe this season as the, the most strong since season one. And I do see why, why it gets that because of the, 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 the companion doctor relationship uh, and the general kind of solidness of the stories. But there is a distinct mm-hmm. kind of unspecialness to proceedings, which is, is frustrating at times. Um, I think it's just, it's trying to be so many things and cause it's not just trying to be Donna's story. It's also trying to like have Rose come back, set uh, up the Martha stuff, you know, build the universe that's, that's eventually going to um, come to pass in this finale. And um, I mean, pff, we could, it should have just I, been, was it worth it, Russell? Well, like, <laughs> exactly. It should have just been Donna's season. Save this story for the actual last episode you write, you know, and this, uh, yes. Yeah. I, no, look. But I mean, look, look. I mean, Midnight is a classic. The Silence in the Library two party is uh, two two party <laughs> two parter uh, is pretty phenomenal. Uh, Unicorn and the Wasp was surprisingly mm-hmm. incredible. Um, turn left. Midnight. Planet of the Ood. I quite liked. Oh, yep. Turn left. Yeah, of course. Fires of Pompeii. I really loved. Like, yeah. Actually, looking back over this whole season, I think it has much more uh, like hits than it does misses. It's just a shame that it ends with such a massive miss. Yeah. yeah. And you could probably say that with most finales. You know, Russell can't wrap up a story very well. <laughs> No, no, he really can't. And I feel like the, the, the fundamental problem there is that like a lot of the stories that he writes builds up a subtext of momentum that the doctor is a bit of an asshole and then he never has the courage to follow through on that. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, so that's that's about it. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, my script here says each and every week, but um, we all know that's a bit of a light at this point. We do want to be more consistent. We are we're happy to be back, and and it's it's good to sort of find some rhythm again. Um, if you'd like, you can drop us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen to the show. Uh, gives us an opportunity to grow, and just and it makes us feel better about ourselves. Um, thoughts and questions can be sent to twoheartspodcast at gmail.com. That's to the word to. If you love this two-parter, let us know why. Like, make your case. Mm. We are we are open to hearing it. We probably won't agree, but I would love to to get some alternate opinions on this one. Um, same with Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Two Hearts Pod, and that's two the number two. We're going to be back in a couple of weeks for an ep- well, well, I mean, at least one episode that I've never actually seen. Yes, you've never seen the Doctor Who 2008 Christmas special. Uh, no, wait, is that the one you haven't seen? No, I saw The Next Doctor because I watched that when I was doing my initial rewatch of the show. It's the next one after that that I completely saw. Planet skipped. of the Dead you haven't seen, which I watched recently and actually I, it's pretty it's pretty serviceable. It's fun. You'll, I think you'll... Well, I won't say I think you'll enjoy it because I don't know. Uh, but yes, next, uh, next episode we'll look at those two as a sort of package deal. Um, and then I think after that we'll do Waters of Mars and then the David Tennant finale, and then that's it for David Tennant. Truly. And somewhere in there as well, don't forget we're going to be doing the uh, the 
was it Rise of the Sea Legend Devils? Legend of the Sea Devils. War of the Sea Devils. Legend of the Sea Devils. Um, so we are going to have uh, another Chibnall episode sort of peppered in there whenever it is they decide to release that to us, the unwashed masses. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are like, we are very much at the end of David Tennant's run here. And there's some interesting stuff coming up. Waters of Mars is a fascinating episode. Mm. And then the finale, his actual finale is a mess, <laughs> but will be interesting to talk about. It will be. But until then, I have been Callum and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Theatricallum. And I've been James. You can find me on Twitter at OMG More James. Thank you for listening, everybody. Stay safe, be kind to one another, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. Bye. Hey, boy.